Can we appreciate our worship team? Wasn't that beautiful? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, good evening. I'm going to try to get out of that light. Um, welcome to Renew. My name is Sandra, and I'm a, um, I attend here at Renew, and we are so excited that you're here. I just want to say welcome again, and um, I can't say it enough that you have been prayed for. I want you to know that. And so you are right where you're supposed to be tonight, and we are super excited to have you here with us. Okay, <clears throat> Susanna is my friend. <laughs> I call her Suli because once upon a time, she wrote a story um, where I was Sandra Bella, and she was Suloria, and it took place in the land of Florilon. <laughs> so if you want to know more, we'll talk later. <laughs> Um, so Susanna and I met when we were both in the middle of a midlife crisis at age 19. <laughs> um, we, as we got acquainted, we realized that we essentially had the same birthday and, um, we were going to be 20 and we had not met Mr. Wright yet. <laughs> that was our midlife crisis. It was awful. It was horrible. <laughs> So we met at Ruthie's store when it was previously Country Living on McHenry. You probably, some of you remember. Um, Susanna and I were Ruthie's employees. <laughs> and we decided today, as we talked about it, that we never made any money because we spent it all there. <laughs> all our fault, not Ruthie's. Okay, so um, since then, Susanna moved away, and we've maintained a relationship long, di long distance, and uh, it's been sweet. <clears throat> I wanted to say, give you a little history on Susanna. She was, she's kind of lived all over. She has roots in Modesto, though. Her grandfather was the beloved um, Roy Blakely that many of us knew and loved, and um, Susanna um, has lived everywhere, Illinois. Santa Cruz, I don't know, Idaho now. <laughs> but she and her husband, Scott, were in full-time ministry for 23 years in the Bay Area. Um, they have three strapping young men for, for sons, um, two in college at Azusa and one in Idaho holding down the fort by himself as a junior in, in high school. Um, Susanna currently, she is an author. She is a ghostwriter, including contributing to the devotions for Guidepost, which are called like, or they are called Mornings with Jesus. She is obviously a speaker of all good things, and she told me today, most importantly, she um, has birthed three over nine-pound babies, <laughs> for which she's very proud to still be here today. <laughs> okay, one of the things that I love the most about Susanna I shouldn't say the most. One of the things that drew me to her was her, her love for laughter. She always made me laugh, and we laughed so much that we cried. Um, she will make you laugh too tonight. She is also an encourager, and I love that about her. The thing that I love her the most about is that she loves Jesus. She, she really does. She takes everything um, back to the Word of God. Life is hard as we all know, and um, she takes it back to God where she realizes that he's got it. So let's welcome Susanna tonight.
you guys, I get to look out and see all of your beautiful faces while I am speaking tonight. And I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over each one of you before we start. God, I'm so thankful to be here tonight and so honored to have the privilege to talk about you and to hang out with these ladies. And God, you know each one of them inside and out. You love them. You think they're the cutest. And you want them to know tonight how much they're loved and cherished by you, God. And so I just pray like all the words that are mine, that those will kind of fall to the wayside, but all the truth from you, Lord, that that will stick tonight. And so I just pray that you would anoint the words that you want to be anointed, Lord. And I just pray that you would bless the socks off of each one of these women tonight in your name. Amen. I'm going to try, I'm hoping my contacts don't fuse to my eyeballs. So if I start winking, I mean, I like you, but it's not, that's not what's going on. So, um, but I'm so excited to be here at Renew tonight and kind of just share some of my journey with you of what I've learned about God and um, about the grace and love that he has for each one of us that are here. And I wanted to start a little with a little bit of history. You heard a little bit of me and Sandra's history. And she was my best friend when I lived here in Modesto. And we had so much fun together. Um, she actually came, she and Darren, when I finally did meet Mr. Wright, um, they trucked one of their fancy old cars over to Redwood City and we got to drive like three miles in our going away car like at our wedding. And so that was so fun. Um, so we, our lives have been interwoven for a long time. And I think one of the neatest things about being with a group of women like this is that when we get to know each other, that Jesus kind of weaves our hearts together with love for each other. And, um, I think that just being able to share this space with you tonight, even though I don't know you yet, some of you know Sandra, so it's like we're best friends already. So just uh, I want you to know a little bit more about me. My husband and I were in full-time ministry um, for 23 years. We went into youth ministry right after school, and uh, we were youth pastors in the Bay Area at two different churches um, for five years, and then went from there to Washington, D.C. We were on staff with Mark and Laura Batterson um, in a national community church, and then they decided to send us back to church plant in the Bay Area. And so when we got back to the Bay Area, one of the cool things was both of the churches that we had youth pastored at decided they wanted to throw us a pantry shower. Have you guys ever heard of a pantry shower before? Yeah, it's the most awesome thing. So we got to the little rental house that we had, and they just had tons of pantry items there for us. They had all of the cleaning items that we needed. I mean, they just decked out the house. We were, we were so blessed. Um, but one of the things that happened was the women's ministry director there, Melissa, was a friend of mine. And she let me know that in one of the um, bulletins, it had been published that they were actually going to have a panty shower for us. <laughs> That's a different kind of shower, you guys. Um, pastors don't usually get those. I don't know if you knew that. And so with, along with all of our pantry items, Melissa also brought us our own pair of underwear that she um, blessed us with as we were starting our new church plant. And so the pair that she brought me were like a nice cotton blend. She told me she got them Target clearance with a giant um, Supergirl symbol on the back. And so uh, I know she thought it was a joke, but as a church planner, you're going to use whatever you're given. So I worked those right into my wardrobe. 
And I've had people, this is a long time ago, I've had people after I've told the story come up and are like, do you still have the underwear? And I'm like, no, gross. Like, <laughs> don't hold on to your underwear that long, guys. So, um, but anyway, so at that point when we came back to church plant, I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old, two little boys who were like always kind of on the brink of chaos. And so my bedroom, I never locked the door. I just kept it open because I didn't know who was going to be eating Legos or running naked down the street. You know, we just had to keep all options open. So one morning, I was getting ready, and I was bending over, pulling my pants up, and the door flung open, and Jack saw the back of my Supergirl underwear. <laughs> and he said, Mom, your secret identity has been revealed. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I just thought he was hilarious. And as you can tell, we like to laugh in my family. And, um, but then I thought, I think that Jack knows a little something about me. I actually would like to be a Supergirl. I would like to have it all together. I would like to have the extraterrestrial ability to finish my laundry. Um, I would like the power to love all the people, even the mean ones. And um, it's hard to love the mean ones, guys, right? So... There's this gap between the person that I am currently right now and then the person that I want to be, the person that God created me to be. And so there's this person that I want to be, loving, kind, generous, um, hopeful, merciful. And then there's the person who just struggles kind of with the everyday sort of stuff that we all struggle with, right? And so I like to say that I'm a tired Supergirl, that I'm giving it all I've got, but I'm not quite there yet. And I think that all of us are tired supergirls. I think that we are in this place in the world, and then there's this other person over here who God created us to be, and he's moving us to become that person. So I want you to take your journals, and I just want you off the top of your head, as a tired supergirl, what do you think your superpower is? What's the thing that you're really good at that brings you joy? And write it down in your journal. It doesn't have to even be something spiritual, just so you know. It could be gardening. Some people are awesome at that. And then once you write down your superpower, what is your kryptonite? What's the thing that keeps you kind of struggling or kind of keeps you down? Tonight we're going to talk about the only thing that can bridge the gap between the person that we are right now and the person that we were created to be. And that person is Jesus and his grace. Um, the grace that Jesus offered us when he died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with him and his father. That's the thing that bridges that gap between the person that we want to be and the person that we are right now. And our theme, as you've noticed, is speak Jesus. Could that be any cuter, you guys? I love it so much. Um, and I was thinking, what does that actually mean? What does it mean, speak Jesus, when we're saying that? What are, we, what are we actually talking about? And I think that when we speak Jesus over our lives and over our sisters' lives, we're speaking all the things that Jesus is. Like, what are all the good things that he is? What are all the powers that he has? What are all the attributes that are included in his person. When we do that, we're speaking all of those things over us. 
And one of the things that we're speaking over ourselves and those around us is his powerful grace that can just transform our lives and reach every corner. I think that um, a lot of us have spoken his name and we're thinking we've invited Jesus into our lives and we know that he still has some work to do. Or maybe that's just me. I'll just talk about me. He's got a lot of work, guys, that he needs to do until I start looking exactly like him and acting like him, um, speaking truth like he does, um, leaving the kind of comments on social media like he would, or, you know, responding in traffic with love and grace like he would, you know, things like that. And some of us, I was thinking, maybe we don't actually know what the definition of grace is. So... One more thing for your journal. What do you think grace is? You can just take a second and write that down. As a writer, I'm a little bit of a word nerd. And so while you're writing down your meaning, I'm going to tell you what the dictionary definition of grace is. It says in Webster's, it's a manifestation of favor, especially by a superior, mercy, clemency, or pardon. So when Jesus came to earth and he died for us so that we could have a relationship with him, the very first thing that he does for us, the very first way that we get to experience Jesus is through his forgiveness. And he forgives every single wrong thing that we've ever done when we ask him to come into our lives. Um, he forgives us for the things that we should have done and we didn't do. He actually forgives us for how the ways that we've broken his heart or other people's hearts or our own heart. And then he pours out this manifestation of favor on us. And I, I like to think of it this way. We're his favorites. He likes us so much. He wants to give us all the goodness. Doesn't that sound fantastic? You know, mercy, favor, pardon. And I wanted to look tonight, what is that grace in that gap between who we are and the person God created us to be? And you may not actually realize this, but um, one of the things that gets in the way of us receiving God's grace and having it transform our lives inside and out is ourselves. Do you guys know that? Isn't that weird? It would seem opposite. It would seem like we would really want all the grace for ourselves. But we don't actually know how God can change us. We can't see how he can bridge the gap between the person we are and the person that we long to be. But let's let tonight kind of be our light bulb moment. Grace isn't just a single event that happens when we ask Jesus into our heart. It's a daily event that is happening all day long. Um, it's a moment-by-moment -moment revelation of Jesus at work in our hearts and our minds. I love how D.L. Moody, he's a theologian, how he says it. A man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life for a whole week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. Isn't that so good? 
to think of it that way. It's not like a one and done, but it's a continuous flow of God working in our lives. Um, we need him day to day. We need mercies every morning. We need forgiveness. So we have to look at it as like it's this journey. It's this lifelong journey of grace. And for some of us, that's kind of hard because we're immediate results people, right? We want the immediate change to happen. Like case in point, my stomach. Um, this is super spiritual. Um, so I don't actually remember what my stomach looked like before I birthed the giant children. Um, but I know that it did not look like it does now. And I kind of thought, okay, once I'm done having kids, it'll all just go back to normal. I, don't, I see that there are younger girls here. This is not going to happen to you. Your stomachs are going to be totally fine. They're going to completely go back to normal, but it's been 16 years since I birthed anyone, and I'm still like holding on to hope that my belly button isn't going to look like an upside down smile. <laughs> so um, I need some grace in the area of my stomach, and um, there are some other areas that I need grace into, like my memory. I used to remember things. Uh, I had a memory. I had it together. I spoke in full sentences. My husband remembers me like that, so that's why he's so sad inside. <laughs> And um, my short-term memory also took a hit on the onset of motherhood. I don't want to bash motherhood because I love being a mom, but it's been in a steady decline ever since. And so there's one kind of memory, though, I'm amazing at, and that is remembering all the things I've ever done wrong. Is anyone else here like that? I can remember the mean things that I've said to people. I can remember the various ways that I've uh, disappointed others or the temptations that have gotten the best of me, those ones like are crystal clear. Like I could tell them all to you and I'm not going to, it would be too long. Um, but this isn't really the kind of memory that brings peace and joy and hope like our skit was experiencing or we were looking at tonight, right? Like those are the things we're looking for. This kind of memory does not aid in that at all. Um, but I think a lot of us supergirls have that type of memory and that we're kind of hyper aware of our faults and our weaknesses. And we don't actually need anyone to remind us about these things. I was talking to my friend uh, Renee on the phone the other day, and she said, I don't really need anyone to tell me how lousy I am. I am awesome at that myself. And um, I think that's a lot of us. That constant voice in your head reminding you of all your less than moments, we, we're going to call that the voice of condemnation. That's what we're going to refer to it as tonight. Um, and this is actually the opposite of the manifestation of favor that Jesus has put on us. Um, so many of us are trapped in condemnation, our guilt, our shame, our embarrassment of the things that we've done wrong. And we don't really know how to get free from that. Um, how many of you here know John 3.16? A bunch of us? Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think so many of us know that. Like God wanted to save us so that we could be with him. But how many of us know John 3, 17? Yeah, say it louder. <laughs> Yeah, for God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Isn't that the best companion verse? 
to that. He actually didn't come to condemn us. If we're here to speak Jesus over our lives tonight, then there's no place in our lives for condemnation, for that voice to ring true. He saved us so that we could live free. So we know that in our heads, like God saved us so that we could live free. But how does that get in here? How do we start living that way? Um, I want you to, in your journals, to make a little T. Um, and on one side of the T, I want you to put the word freedom. And on the other side, I want you to put the word captivity. And then make two different lists. We're just going to take two minutes. What are the words that remind you of freedom? Put that in the freedom column. What are the words that remind you of captivity? Put those in the captivity column. just come up with maybe three or four words that remind you of freedom and three or four that remind you of captivity. Okay, let's share some of our words. Um, let's go with freedom first. What are some of the words that you guys say them, and then I'll repeat them into the microphone so everyone can hear them. What's a word that reminds you of freedom? Anybody? Choice. Choice. What else? Salvation. Salvation. What else? Hope. Hope. What else? Forgiveness. Let's do one more. Peace. Okay, let's do the captivity side. What are some words that remind you of captivity? Guilt. Guilt. Fear. Fear. What else? Resentment. Resentment. Sadness. Sadness. Comparison. One more. Anybody? Bitterness. Suffering and bitterness. Okay, look at your list. And which column are you living in right now? What looks more like the way that you treat yourself in your heart and in your mind? I think that there are so many reasons that we choose to live in that captive column over the free column because there's this little bit of truth in the voice of condemnation that we think, I think that's true. I think that's just about right. That's how I see myself. One reason I think that we live in that captive column is because we think if Jesus really knew me, he wouldn't want me or he wouldn't forgive me. And I just have a secret to tell you guys tonight. He already knows. Because <laughs> he reads you like a book. And so every chapter of your life is spread out in front of him. And he knows you better than you know yourself. He created you. I was a PK. I said I would never marry a pastor, but Scott was cute and funny, so what do you do? And so I grew up in church. More, I was there more than I wasn't. And back in the olden days, we had night church on Sundays. There was no kids program, so all the kids were in with the parents. And um, my mom calls me, or called me, a curious child. 
And so I think that was another word for naughty because she was really nice. And, um, man, those services were super long. So whenever I would do something that was curious, I would get taken out into the lobby of the church. And sometimes there were spankings because the, there were those back then. And um, I've been taken out several times one night on a Sunday night service, and communion was happening. It was like, hush, everyone was feeling worshipful and holy. And I must have done something, and my mom picked me up to take me out, and I just yelled out, oh, no, not again. <laughs> my dad said it was just great. It really helped with the whole feeling of the worship service. <laughs> And, um, but that thing that you are trying to hide about yourself or that you think about yourself, um, it's too late. Jesus already knows, and he still likes you so much. He still chooses you. He still wants to have a relationship with you. He has no desire for you to stay in that captive column, so we have to knock that reason off of the list um, because this is the deal. Have you guys heard of the good news? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the good news happens because we're not good, we can't make ourselves good, and Jesus comes and loves us anyway. That's the good news. And um, at our most messy, he chooses us. So today, wherever you are in that gap, he is choosing you. He wants to know you. He wants to be part of your life right now. And the second reason I think that we listen to that voice of condemnation um, is because we actually don't believe that we have what it takes to become the person that God created us to be. We can't see how we're going to get from point A to point Z. And um, the first time I ever spoke was for my friend uh, Doreen's church. It was this huge church in San Jose, and I was super nervous. I always get nervous when I speak. It's just what I do. I'm just a big sweater, you know, so don't get too close to me after tonight. Um, but um, she had asked me, could I speak? And she wanted me to speak on um, how you find peace and time for God in the middle of a busy, chaotic life. And I just looked at her, and I was like, okay, you have got to have someone else teach that class because I think I need to go to that class. <laughs> and so I did not teach that class. And um, But the day before the conference, I was just feeling so anxiety-ridden, and I was driving in the car and just kind of talking to God about how I wasn't enough. And I just felt like, you know, I'm not the greatest mom. I'm not the greatest wife. I'm not the greatest pastor's wife. You know, I'm not, I'm just not killing on, on any level right now. And I had this moment, and I don't have a lot where I feel like I hear the Holy Spirit, but I felt like it was his voice because it didn't sound like mine. And he said, I think, you know, I know that you don't think you're enough. But even worse, you don't think I'm enough. And I made him small. I made him like me, you know. I made Jesus look like me, that I couldn't do things, you know, that made me nervous, or I couldn't be someone who seemed too big for me. And um, I was missing the point that it made me start crying, because he is enough. He's actually the only one who can get me from here to here. And he wants to. He actually wants us to become the person that he created us to be. I love in 2 Corinthians 12 that Paul is talking to the Lord about his stuff, you know, because Paul's pretty awesome. And, but he says he has this thorn in his flesh that's tormenting him. Three times he's asked God to get rid of it. So he has something that is just a weakness, something that's like keeping him down. 
And it says in the scripture, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And when we speak Jesus into our lives, his grace is sufficient for us. And that weakness, if we're calling the gap a weakness, that's when God's power shows up. Like that's him showing off, that he can move us down the road, that he can transform our hearts and our minds into something that we've never been before. And so we, we don't actually get to like buy into condemnation on that level either. The third reason why I think we listen in to condemnation is um, we think maybe God can forgive us, but we can't forgive ourselves. You know, like he's, he's awesome, but I know what I did to hurt this person that I love. Or I know this mistake that I made, and I'm having a lot of trouble forgiving myself. And my friend Mary France and I, we've been prayer partners since college, and so we'll call each other and pray for each other. Or lately, like in the last couple of years, we've started texting each other Tim Keller messages. And I don't know if you've heard of Tim Keller, but he's kind of like our C.S. Lewis. He's really good at breaking down spiritual truths so that regular people can understand them. And, um, but he's also super mean, you guys, because he speaks so much truth that you get convicted. And so we can only handle like two or three a week. It's, it's too much. And so um, she sent me this one, though, about this, about forgiveness and condemnation. And um, he was talking about that there's two sides of the coin of people who are far from God. One side of the coin is the people that have just been like, I don't want you in my life. You know, I want to do my own thing. I don't need you at all. The other side of the coin are the people who are self-righteous who are saying, you know what, it's okay, I'll, I'll take it from here. I've got it. I can be good enough. If I do this, 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 and this, then I've got it. And actually, in the Bible, the self-righteous ones were the ones that Jesus got upset at. He didn't get upset at the ones who said, you know, I'm, my life is out of control. He was mad at the people who were thinking they could do it on their own with their own goodness. And um, when she sent me that one, I was like, that's so good. Don't send me any more of those. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> because I feel like I fall into that camp a lot. Like I just think, okay, Jesus saved me, but now I've got it, which I never do. But I think that I can be good enough, you know, for I don't know what. And so when we decide to buy into that, God's forgiven us, but we can't forgive ourselves because we weren't good enough. Because I'm on that self-righteous side, on that camp, saying, like, I've got it. And then when I don't have it, where do I go from there? God forgives us, but we're choosing to lose condemned. And so I, um, this kind of puts our sinfulness into perspective. Tim Keller says that you are more wicked than you ever dared to believe. See what I mean? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tim Keller. And... Um, and then he says, and yet you are more accepted in Jesus Christ than you ever dared hope. Is that so good? How can it be both? How can we be bad and wicked and so loved and accepted? And um, when I was little, did any of you guys go to VBS, to Vacation Bible School? Well, I loved VBS, and you could get points every week. We, they would do it kind of all summer long. Well, they would have, it would be a couple weeks, and you could earn points. Like if you brought a friend to church, if you brought your Bible, if you memorized the scripture verse, like you get points each time. And then at the end of the summer, they had this huge fair where you could spend your points, and it was so fun. I loved it so much. Um, 
But I think I had that same mentality as an adult that I felt like I was building points when I did the good things. And that if I like ticked this off and this off and this off, you know, made it to Bible study, I did church, you know, I was nice to someone who was a jerk, then I'm getting points, you know, because I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And we think Jesus is up there tabulating points, and then we're going to be able to spend the points on the, the big price, you know. And if you're bad, you have less points. I'm sorry. You know, if you don't do the good things, you have less points than I do. But this is the thing. There, there are zero points. There are no points. Um, on our own, no matter how great we are, how good we are, we are still not good at enough, great enough to save ourselves. And on our own, no matter how sinful we are, we are still not too sinful that Jesus won't say, I love you so much. I want to be a part of your life. He just loves us. He can't get enough of us. You know, like when you see that little baby and you're like, oh, cheeks, you know? That's how he feels about us. He can't get enough of us. Jesus threw out all the points when he died on the cross for us. And then he gave us the ultimate prize, which is him and his grace to transform our lives. We're forgiven. I think that we, we know it, but we don't know it. You know, we know it. He forgave us of our sins, but we don't live it. And um, the only person that actually can condemn us is Jesus, right? Because he's perfect. But what did our verse say? Does he condemn us? No, he absolutely doesn't. I love, I love looking at the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Um, he was such a rock star Christian, right? I'm, tonight I'm teaching from letters that he wrote over 2,000 years ago. Like how impactful is that? You know, how impactful of a life. And um, he was a missionary. He traveled thousands of miles or hundreds of miles through Greece and Asia Minor. He witnessed countless miracles. He had crazy things happen. He survived like a poisonous snake bite. His ship broke up in the ocean, and he survived that too. It does make you think like you wouldn't want to be Paul's travel partner, but um, he was amazing. All of the different things that he did. He went from town to town preaching about Jesus. Then when he was imprisoned, he still kept talking about the goodness and grace of God. But do you know where his life was when his transformation began? He was on the road to Damascus. He was getting ready to go and imprison and murder Christians, right? He thinks that he's right. He's self-righteous. He has all the points, right? So he's on this mission to make sure that the Christians don't take down the Jewish faith. And what he is doing is so wrong that Jesus shows up to him in a vision and asks him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And um, I don't know if you guys ever imagined what it was like afterwards, like after God radically transformed his life and he's this amazing missionary, do you think when he went from town to town, like what was his self-talk? Um, I hope no one family member that I murdered is in the church service today, <laughs> right? Can you even imagine that? Because he's a real person. It's not just a story. Like, this happened. So he imprisoned people and killed people, and then he turned around and started ministering to their families. And I just think, how, how could he even move past that, you know? Like, I can't get past when I snap at my husband, right? How am I supposed to get past murdering somebody? 
Um, but I think that Paul believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And that what he said was true, that he was forgiven. He actually took him at his word. Um, he believed that he was free to become more than he ever hoped that he could be. He believed that God was going to keep working on his heart and mind. He believed that God had made him a new creation, was transforming his entire life. He believed that God actually had prepared good works in advance for him to do. Like when, when Paul was at Stephen stoning, God already knew down here he's going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm picking this guy, and he's going to do this over here. Is that not crazy to think about? Like, Paul actually let the truth of who Jesus was and his grace permeate everything about him. And when God poured out his grace on Paul, Paul didn't say, like, oh, well, I don't deserve it. The awesome news tonight is that zero people in here deserve God's grace. But we all get it. He's given it to every single one of us here. And that is what bridges the gap between the person that Paul was and the person that Paul became. And it's not because Paul was amazing. It was because God's grace was amazing. Um, God's grace isn't based on our ability to change. Isn't that so good? For those of us who have struggled with things and like, we're like, I can't believe I did that again. Isn't that so good? To know that like his grace isn't based on our ability to change. It's based on his all-encompassing love. He loves us so much. And his love is what actually starts to change us. There's one thing that closes that gap, and that's the grace of Jesus. Um, we actually are choosing to live in condemnation if we are choosing that column. And we're choosing to live captive to shame and guilt, but when we choose to accept God's grace, we're choo choosing to live in the free column. Don't you want to be in the free column? I want to be in the free column. If we truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is, um, we can live free. We can live free from the shame, from the guilt, from even from the, the mistakes that we're going to make next week because we didn't get perfect yet. I mean, maybe you guys, but not me. I'm still working towards that person that I want to become, that Jesus wants to me to become. And that's because the power of God's life-giving spirit lives in us. Paul puts it this way in Romans. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And just note, no condemnation. So it's not like a handful of condemnation or like a week's worth. Definitely not a lifetime, which some of us have chosen. Um, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Jesus Christ from the power of sin that leads to death. And Paul wrote this in Romans. And he should know, right? Because God did an amazing transformation in him. He got free. And so I want you guys to know tonight that Jesus is still in the business of setting people free. He still wants you and me to be free. He wants us to live out from under all of those things that we say to ourselves or maybe other people say to us. Other people can speak condemnation into our lives too. But he doesn't want us to live that way. This isn't, it's not just a Bible story. This is what God does every day. He's pouring out his grace every day. So there's three things that we can walk out of here t tonight knowing we're not perfect and we, and we never will be. That was not one of the options, right? There's no points, guys. But Jesus is enough to meet us wherever we are in that gap between the person that we are and the person that he created us to be. And the third thing that we can know is that he can set us free. He can set us free. Um, John Newton wrote the 
wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. I think we all know that hymn, and probably most of us know that he was actually the owner of a slave ship. Did you guys know that? Um, that he was a slave trader for years. Um, and he really came to know the Lord in a storm in the middle of the ocean. And after that period, it took him three years before he quit buying and selling people. So he would say his conversion was here, and he quit slavery here. He later went on to become a witness for William Wilberforce when they were trying to put before Parliament the bill that would stop slave trade because he knew all the horrible things. He was actually one of the worst sailors. Like there are records about him that other sailors called him filthy, like a filthy libertine. And sailors don't have that great of reputation, right? Like to start with. So for him to be a filthy libertine, like he was doing some horrible things. Like he said that he would point the cannon towards the slave quarters so that they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't rise up. He did, he did all of these things. And I just think like, wow, I don't know. I don't know how, you know, God could actually forgive him for all of those things. And then I think, well, maybe it's to give us hope so that we can see the huge transformation that he's done in other people's lives. And he said this, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Isn't that so good? By the grace of God, I am what I am. So I believe that God is going to continue his work of grace in us, his work of love, his work of freedom. And I just want us to kind of soak in that thought. Tonight we're going to listen to a song just to end out this session um, called Forgiven and Loved. And there's no pictures, so you can just close your eyes when you're listening to it. Listen to the words and let Jesus speak to your heart. Let him tell you what he thinks about you. Let him tell you the words that he would like to speak over your life. God, I just thank you so much for this night together. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you see us where we are at and you choose us and you love us and you want to change our lives. And God, we want that too. So we thank you in advance for the work that you're doing in our hearts in your name. Amen.
situation as what commands my guilt to leave. Now I'm Calvary, I see.